Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Owl's Nest. As uh, you can see, uh, a little bit of changes this week uh, due to COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, some of us are working from home that would normally have a cool Owl's Nest studio to record out of. Uh, we are fortunate enough to be able to still do this show and bring you the content that uh, you want and deserve. One of the upsides of uh, working in the video gaming and e-sports industry. Jake, how's the uh, social distancing been treating you so far? Um, not too bad. You know, it's a bit annoying not being able to do everything I want to do. But at the same time, you know, just staying at home, working away, streaming a lot. Um, so, like you said, it's, it's a great industry to be in for our, our quarantine. Yeah, well, and I think now more than ever, too, you know, when it comes to content creators uh, such as ourselves, such as... Uh, you know, all the other streamers out there in the Overwatch world, you know, now more than ever is the time for us to create the content for you, you know, our fans and consumers to be able to uh, keep you sane and entertained uh, during this trying time. So uh, we're actually going to go over a few things related to COVID-19, the coronavirus today, the changes that it's made to the league, how that could be affecting some of the players in teams. And also, luckily, we didn't have to go too long before the matches got figured back out and we do have a preview uh, for the, the, the resuming matches this weekend. Not a whole lot of them, but some is better than none. So the first thing I want to start with is uh, the announcement that we got literally moments after we had finished recording last week, and that's that all events for the Overwatch League through March and April had been canceled. So uh, unfortunately, that means that we're both... Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to take the the our... What is it? Uh, I'm completely blanking on the term now. Um, um, complete brain fart. Wow. Uh, predictions. That's the word I'm looking for. Our predictions. Uh, we're not going to take those as losses since it didn't happen. Um, but um, obviously now the complete number of match cancellations from the start of the season in China all the way up to now comes to 100 in total. Uh, we have been told now that those will all be played online. Uh, all teams will compete in three different regions to minimize the latency issues for online competition. Uh, I think the biggest question that that I sort of have, uh, and I don't know if, you, if there's any thoughts that you might have on this, is why do you think they waited till now to finally decide to do these matches online instead of, especially for the Chinese markets, uh, when it first happened, doing those online to uh, you know to avoid some of the congestion and backup that we're looking at now. Well, I think the thought was um, at the time that maybe it would be possible to keep running the North American homestands, and maybe it wouldn't wouldn't actually because at the time, you know, it was it really didn't. Uh, there wasn't a significant spread in the U.S. Uh, at least as far as anyone knew. Um, so, it, you know, I think the perspective was probably that well, we can keep running if we shouldn't cancel all our homestands. Oh, of course, right. Um, just because you know we can't run them in China right now. We can't have the Chinese teams playing. Well, we should still try and do the best we can. Um, and I think what this announcement is is just a recognition that things have gotten different and they've gotten substantially worse in terms of COVID-19 and um, the spread of the coronavirus is, is now we have to play online. And I think online is just it's really not ideal. So they probably would want to minimize that as much as possible. So until it's a real emergency situation and that's what it is now. So that, that's what causes the 
the league to cancel the offline events. That's that's true. And of course, at first too, uh, the plan was, I believe, to make up the Chinese homestand matches in uh, South Korea uh, in Seoul. They had, uh, I believe, gotten a secondary location, but then obviously, as it spread, uh, that too was put on hiatus. So uh, over the course of playing sort of this portion of the 2020 schedule, each team will play the amount of matches necessary to catch up to the total n- number of matches they'd been scheduled to play through the midseason point of the original schedule. Uh, this means that Pacific Conference teams will generally, as a result, they're going to be playing more frequently than teams in the Atlantic Conference. Uh, they've sort of designed the schedule to maximize the fairness between these teams, factoring the total amount of matches played each week. But uh, as a result, we are going to see some teams that may play, I believe, three up to four matches uh, within a weekend. But the good news is that all matches should be caught up to where they should be by May 1st. Uh, the All-Star Weekend was also moved to the end of the season, and the mid-season tournament has also been canceled. Uh, so, Jake, I mean, overall, sort of looking back on everything, how do you feel that it's been handled so far, and what do you think of these changes sort of going forward uh, through the rest of March and into April to get us caught up to where we should be for the season? Uh, well, I mean, from the internal perspective, uh, what I can say is I, I was always happy with the way I felt um, the higher-ups in the league are looking at issues and problems. Um, always trying to find the best solution and, and being really genuine in that process. Like, you know, I don't think that, that the league ever came to this from the perspective of we know how to resolve these issues and let's just like do it this one way that, you know, one person decides. It's always been a collaborative process behind the scenes um, to, to try and figure out like if we're doing it online, how do we minimize latency? Is online even an option for competitive play? Um, you know, and how do we... How do we how do we solve all these problems, right? And, and the, the reality is just that there's this massive roadblock that we have to get over, which is the you know quarantine and everything. Um, so the reality is that we're not going to get a superior solution. We're going to get an inferior solution, but uh, it's just about minimizing that inferiority. And, and I think um, for what it's worth, I think it'll be great to like finally see the Chinese teams play, even if it's online. Like I'm still really excited to see all those players that haven't been able to show their skill yet this season. Um, so. I think overall it's going to be really exciting to have get back into Overwatch, especially um, so far the season has been feeling like almost like season one. There's just so many less teams um, actually playing because the Chinese teams were out. So um, really excited for that to change. Really excited because I think some of those teams are real contenders this season. Well, I also think um, that we're we're really fortunate too to to sort of be in the industry and have the advantages that we do. You know, it's really. I feel a little bit of pride for sort of uh, uh, the esports scene in the fact that I believe it was both the uh, uh, League of Legends and the LCK and the LPL, and then obviously Blizzard and the Overwatch League that were some of the very first organizations to recognize the risks uh, you know associated when with the coronavirus virus when it first started and canceled those matches. And now every industry has followed suit. And luckily, in that time, as you know, traditional sports like the NFL, the NHL, MLB have all had to suspend and cancel their matches indefinitely. They really have no way to try and make those up until the the uh, uh, the concerns of the outbreak is under wraps. But now esports are already starting to sort of find ways around that and sort of get things back on track. So uh, in the long run, I definitely think that we're in a much better position than a lot of these other industries that may end up suffering now for, for months to come. Yeah, the real question is how long... Like, is is this quarantine going to last? How long is the is this issue with COVID-19 going to last? Um, how bad is it going to get? I mean, I think a lot of those questions are unanswerable without knowing, like, are people properly social distancing? Are they actually taking those steps to minimize the spread of the virus and minimize the strain on the public health system? Um, 
you know, and, and that's, yeah, I totally agree. Like, you know, you got to give respect to Activision Blizzard and, and to the other um, esports league productions that they're very quick to say, hey, this is a real global threat and we're going to we're going to respect it and, and treat it that way. And I think I think, like you said, you know, it's good to be a leader in that front. I think it kind of makes sense due to the global nature of esports. Like, you know, I think we probably figured it out pretty quick. It was a big deal when. Uh, you know, like Chengdu's players can't leave China anymore. It's like, oh, okay, well, we got a problem now. Um, you know, it's pretty clear. But I think maybe if you had a full U.S. operation um, at that moment, you probably weren't thinking, oh, this is really important and we need to take action. Uh, it probably took longer to get to that point. So, yeah, esports for sure. Let's go. Yeah, definitely. In the end, you know, we want to make sure that everyone stays safe, everyone stays healthy, and uh, we're glad that, uh, again, all these organizations have the players' and the fans' best interests uh, in mind here. So we hope that you are staying safe and healthy out there. Uh, we value your opinion. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, how do you think this is all going to end up uh, working out and... Um, you can let that. You can let us know, obviously, in the YouTube comments over at Checkpoint XP on YouTube. Twitter comments. Find us at Checkpoint XP on both Twitter and Facebook. And of course, you can find Jake at Jake OW. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about how these changes could be affecting both the teams and the players compared to what was originally planned. Hey, what's up? It's James. And Robbie. Hey, and it's Weird Beard. And we're bringing you a brand new radio show called Checkpoint XP. You don't have to be an expert, even though I am. And we're here to give you everything you need to know about the world of video games. Interviews from the biggest professionals and your everyday gamers. We've got you covered at Checkpoint XP. Whether you're a professional player or somebody who hasn't played in a while, we have something for everybody. Hang out with us at Checkpoint XP every single week on your radio. Find out where we're playing in your hometown at our website, CheckpointXP.com. So if you're looking to have some fun and talk about video games, we got the rundowns for things that matter to you. Checkpoint XP. Your home for esports and gaming. Got it that time. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Thanks for watching if you happen to be catching us on YouTube, but if you happen to download us uh, on any of your preferred podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, thanks for listening as well. So we're currently talking about all the changes that have been made to the league due to COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, luckily, after the cancellations last week of all of the homestands until the end of April, uh, it was less than a week before we got word back on exactly how these cancellations would be made up. And everything's been moved to online matches, so... I think the first thing that I'd like to address here is, you know, we talked in the first segment about why when the Chinese matches weren't canceled, did they immediately go to online matches there? And of course, the answer was that, you know, when possible, they'd like to try and make up these homestand matches. They'd like to do them in front of fans, in front of the crowd. You know, it's been two years so far that uh, two seasons that fans haven't had a chance to sit down, you know, across the world and see their favorite teams. Um, but I think the biggest issue here is I don't think a lot of people... Uh, especially if you're not in sort of the competitive scene at the higher echelons, I don't think you realize exactly 
what changes when you go from uh, land setting in person at a tournament to online settings. Um, so the first question that I have for you, Jake, as a player or, or former player, is how important noticeable is something as uh, you know simple as ping at the pro level? Yeah, I mean, I, ping's pretty important. But before I talk about ping, I just want to say that, like, I know that for sure that the goal from the Overwatch League is to actually is, is, is exactly minimize that, like minimizing the difference between online and, and offline play um, is the goal. So in that in that sense, I think um, they're not going to be playing on the normal Overwatch client. There's a client that uh, can mimic some of the benefits of um, playing on LAN, but of course. You're never getting rid of ping unless you figure, figure out a way to change the speed of light, and that'll probably mess some other stuff up. So, uh, yeah, so ping is, is just one of those things where you're going to have to adapt to it. Um, the upside is that every player, like easily every player plays online all the time when they play ranked and they practice and they scrim other teams. They all play, everyone plays online. Um, you're almost never doing those things on land. So you've all played o- o- online games. Pretty much every player has competed in an online format prior to getting to the Overwatch League. So everyone has experience with it, but the reality is it's just this variable issue where, you know, I, I remember after playing a lot on land server, you know, um, constantly scrimming on land and and, and uh, playing matches on land in the last two seasons that um, I would, in ranked, I would really push things to the last possible second, like recalling on Tracer as late as possible, you know, Pressing your your cryo freeze on May as late as possible, and sometimes I would actually die in ranked, and I'll, but I'll still hear the sound of the of those self saving abilities that you shouldn't be able to die after using, um, and that's the impact of ping. Like if you're playing in a zero ms or you know it says five ms, but I think it's closer to zero. I think that five is just a placeholder because the game won't let it go lower. But um, at a very low latency environment those things don't really happen like if you hear the sound you're going to be saved like there's no issues with that but you know even on 30 to 50 ping which is you know a relatively small ping and when you're close by uh, uh teams nearby each other in a region um you're still going to have those moments where you have to be a little bit early like you have to be a little bit safer with some of these abilities a little bit more conservative not pushing things to the last possible second because you know, but sometimes you do push it to the last possible second, but due to ping, yeah, it actually is too late. Um, so it's just an important thing for teams to adapt to, uh, and that's why we have to go to regional play. Um, I think regional play is also not ideal. Like you want to see Chinese teams against Atlantic teams and Pacific teams, and you know you don't want to have these three separate regions. Obviously, it's it's not ideal for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, it's so much. It's like impossibly worse that you ask somebody to play unlike 150 ping from China or something, that would be really, really bad. But if you can keep ping in that 30 to 50 level, uh, I think it's not the end of the world. It's fair for both teams. Uh, But it would be a major advantage if a team from China plays a team from North America and one team is all on 200 ping, the other team's all on 50 ping. It's a major advantage to the team with lower ping if it's that way across the board. So you, you really have to do these these regional events. And, and the online play is, is the reason you must do the... Re- this is the irony of, of online play is that because you're online, you have to play in these different regions. Whereas if you were offline, then everyone from the whole world could play each other, no problem. So as someone who is able to play in front of the crowd, and this is obviously an answer that you know probably changes from player to player, do you think that mm. it's more of a disadvantage or an advantage not having to play in front of these huge crowds? 
Well, like you said, I think that's a very personal question um, about what you, what you like as a player, but also what you're used to as a team. Um, the way I'm looking at this this shift to online play is that I think it'll actually be a bit of an equalizer for the experience of the Overwatch League. Like players who have never played in front of a crowd before, I think it's probably a detriment that they're playing in front of a crowd. Like usually either they're going to get like overexcited or they're going to be nervous. Um at least until they sort of settle into it and get used to the um, that the pressure and the intensity of that experience. Um, but when you go online, it's like everybody's played online, everybody. So like uh, you know, some maybe some rookies who haven't had so much experience in front of the crowd, we might see even better performances out of them um, in the online play because maybe it's their comfort zone. Uh, but at the same time, I think it also is a great opportunity for teams themselves to create. A really great environment for their team to play in like you want you know when you're playing that that match you really want it to be a great environment you want everyone to be energized and to be feeling good and so the teams that have like invested more into their office space and into their um, infrastructure for scrimming now that is actually your infrastructure for playing matches as well so um, it makes those investments more valuable i think for the teams that ha- have made that commitment so I think the finally the, the the sort of last piece of this uh, puzzle that we have to look at when it comes to the integrity of, of of the play here is obviously the Pacific Conference teams or Chinese teams those that haven't had a chance to play as much are going to have to play a lot more matches over this next month and a half than some of the Atlantic teams do. So you know when it comes to playing two maybe even three or four matches in a week, how much is that going to weigh on teams and how much extra prep time and practice is that going to require? Um, I think it's going to be definitely significant but you're not really going to have more prep time because you have the same amount of prep time like you just have more matches to play you have to figure out how to divide it between the teams that you're playing yeah yeah um but i also think the importance of prepping for a specific team is actually lower now with hero pools um because you don't you, you can't predict what they might play like you won't even really be able to predict what roster they're going to field. Like with a new hero pool coming out, you might have some ideas, but um, I don't know. I think it's kind of a fool's game to be to be trying to guess exactly what the other team's strategy will be when every team is running like new strategies that week. Um, so if anything, though, I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, if a team plays three or four matches in one hero pool. Do they refine their hero pool like choices? Like, do they find the best strategy in that hero pool, or do they try and change it up and surprise people who've seen them play, and then they try something new? Um, I think, in any rate, it'll actually be kind of interesting experiment to see more play from a single team in a single hero pool. How does that? What does that do? Do we do we recreate the old scenario where a team starts getting like? a real mastery of playing that strategy because they've played so many matches of it. You know, that's, that's a really interesting uh, uh, way to look at it. Something that I never considered before is that with Hero Pools now, it's less about sort of studying and, and predicting how the other team's going to play and more about refining what it is that you're going to play. Um, in your opinion, do you think that something like that will lead to more interesting matches or, or not? Well, I mean... I don't know if I need more interesting matches. I feel like matches like in the in the Washington homestand were so interesting and so exciting to me. So I'm really happy with with Hero Pools in particular after after the Washington homestand. That for me was like proofs in the pudding. Like it was really cool to see these totally new strategies come out 
with almost none of the same heroes that were being utilized um, in the main in the main meta. The irony though is that like <laughs> is that with the the way the hero pools went down for for this set of matches, the upcoming ones, uh, I think it's just going to be like McCree May or maybe Widow May like on lockdown for for like the entire game, <laughs> like and with Ryan and Diva probably too. Um, I can't imagine Dive working at all because I think almost everyone's going to be playing Brig. Um, or maybe maybe Babzan or something, but um, yeah, it's it's very it's this is a funny hero pool. Fanning, Soldier seventy six, Sombra, and Winston really is like, well, we we stuffed stuffed the slow comps by banning Ryan and and uh, McCreeve, and then we stuffed the dive comps. So I actually think this this change to hero pools that's coming up, the weighted weighted random, is actually a majorly needed change. Well, uh, uh, that's a great segue right there. Especially considering our guest picking ability for Hero Pools. And I say that <laughs> as somebody who's going to have to pick the next week of Hero Pools. Oh, really? Desk. Oh, that's exciting. Well, that, you know, let's talk a little bit about the changes to the to the Hero Pools and the way that it's uh, uh, being done then. So uh, mm -hmm. prior to this, anyone who was uh, above 10% play got six tickets that went into the very sophisticated, randomized uh, drawing pool. <laughs> and, um, of course, May, who I think everyone has been waiting to get sidelined, hasn't yet. So the changes now are that heroes with a 10 to 25% play rate will receive one ticket in the lottery. 25 to 50 get two tickets, 50 to 75, three tickets, and over 75% play rate gets four tickets. So not to put any sort of pressure on anyone, but I think that if May's in there with four tickets and she still doesn't get played, <laughs> I think we may be looking at a riot at that point. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on, man. I gotta, I gotta, well, at least I have better odds than everybody else did, so I'll take those. I'll take those odds. Yeah, so uh, honestly, overall, I think that, that everyone's pretty happy with these updated hero pools. Um, uh, do you have any other comments on them overall? Um, I think this play rate change, this, this play rate change is, so, is so good, so needed. I mean, heroes like that were just getting barely, like when Mario got banned with 10.1% like, oh, playtime. Just too bad. Widowmaker yeah. was like 12% playtime got banned. I was like, oh, man, like... I mean, I get that that should be, like, possible, but the, the fact that that is equivalently likely to, like, May and D.Va getting banned is is pretty strange to me. So, really psyched to see this change. Also psyched Overwatch League is staying so flexible with this sort of thing. Like, yeah, we had, like, one week of Hero Pools, and, and, or two weeks of Hero Pools, two weeks picked, and, and then we're like, eh, let's make a change because this isn't working exactly how we want it. And to me, I really like that that mindset, that... You know, as we try new things, we're staying flexible and adaptable, and we're not locking ourselves into like this is how Overwatch League is going to be forever. You know, we're and and I think that that is going to make for better long term for the league, like better ability to adjust and, and be flexible. Well, and from a viewer's perspective too, I'm glad that they decided to keep all of the draws live on Watchpoint at the end of the matches, uh, as opposed to just letting some computer spit it out in the weeks coming. So uh, up next, we'll take a look at the matches coming up this weekend, the first of the online play, including our must-see match of the week. Hey, this is Norris Howard from Checkpoint XP, and since the COVID-19 virus has devastated the world of esports, this is your Gaming Quick Hit. Project Red would capitalize off the massive Netflix version of The Witcher, then prepare to be a little disappointed. 
In an interview with Eurogamer, the CEO of CD Projekt Red, Adam Kaczynski, said that they would start development of a new game as soon as Cyberpunk 2077 was completed. But they didn't say what that new game would be. Kaczynski said there are only two universes that the developer currently works in, but that the new game would not be The Witcher 4. The last Witcher game released was The Wild Hunt, which wild gamers in 2015. That was your esports quick hit. For more, head on over to our website, checkpointxp.com. Need to stay up to date. I need that. Head to checkpointxp.com for the latest in esports and gaming news. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't already, I do encourage you to head on over to our social medias. Make sure that you're following us there and interacting with us throughout the week. You could help influence some of the stuff that happens on the show. You can do that at Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us individually at Robbie underscore Landis CP and Jake OW. Uh, also, make sure that you head on over to twitch.tv slash Jake underscore OW. Give him a follow there. Make sure that notifications are turned on. Something tells me he's going to be uh, streaming and putting out a little bit more content than usual. In the social distancing that's going on. So, looking at the matches... Nothing better to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, looking at the matches that are coming up this week, we're going to start off first with our match of the week. So, we don't have a whole lot of stuff to be looking at so far. This is actually the lightest week that we have so far since the season. But, where we're starting off is the first match of the week on Saturday. The San Francisco Shock, our 2019 champions, are coming back for their second match They'll be facing off for the first time with the first match they've been able to play this season against the Seoul Dynasty. Jake, what exactly are you expecting out of this matchup? Well, that's what's so exciting about it is, is we have no idea what to expect out of Seoul Dynasty. I mean, I think they're a team that has gone through a lot of iterations but never found the kind of dominant success I think they were looking for. I think they've always been that upper middle upper middle team. Um, I think always having like a decent performance. Um, season 1 was not so great for them. Season 2... Um, definitely improving significantly, but still not. I mean, I think it's a team that they want to be winning. You know, they want to be pushing for that championship. And so far, they have not really been a contender. So this is a match that can kind of signal where that's going to go this season. Uh, not necessarily win or lose. I think the Shock are an opponent that, you know, is going to be really tough to best, even if they're a, a, a contender for the title. But, like, you know, to make it, if you want to win the season, you're going to go through the Shock. Like, the odds of that are so high with how well Shock's been playing. So... Uh, for Seoul Dynasty, the only question in my mind is, can they keep up? You know, where have they been from, you know, they've been in the lab in the offseason working, you know, roster changes and everything. So what do they come out with this time? Um, this is a team that I think so far, like, despite like me kind of saying they've had not the best performances, I do feel like from a management perspective, there's been this consistent upward trend throughout the seasons where they've been refining and getting better and better and better, uh, changing the roster uh, finding what works for them. And, you know, if they can just continue that process, this season should be their season. Uh, but it's obviously not so easy to keep rising when you get close to the top. Well, let's talk about some of those roster changes because obviously the Shock haven't made a whole lot of changes at all. I think Nevik, or, or dropping Nevix was the only big change that we saw for them. But the Dynasty, on the other hand, uh, they lost Ryu Jehong, who we know was one of the big leader figures of the team. But they also, in the offseason, picked up Profit, Gesture, uh, Creative, and Bedosin. What do you think that some of these pickups do for the team? And what does the loss of Ryu Jehong possibly do as well? I don't know if it's the end of the world for this team, but I do think Jaehong is a valuable player. Um, but I think I wonder if you know picking up some of these younger players, you know, can help them 
do what some other teams have done, which is like have that rookie presence on the squad. I think maybe that's something that Seoul actually lacked in a weird way. I mean, that's not something you normally think of as being really important. But I think um, uh, uh, they brought in all these players from from different rosters that you know all had success in their past. Um, and hopefully the, the question really is just can they find the structure that actually gets the best out of them. Um, they've got profit, which, you know, profit's a monster. Um, the question in my mind is mostly on, like, the roles for their DPS. Um, I think with Jester and Michelle, they've got a really strong tank line, and Marv as well is is pretty pretty dominant player. Um, so they can run. They've got the double main tanks. Um, they've also got Michelle, who's just a monster on off tank. So no issues really for them. And the tank line, support line, I think will be strong as well. Um, with Bedosin, uh, always putting up big numbers in, in past teams, always fragging out. Uh, but they've always been in the middle of the table. So the question is really, for me, is like, who can step up next to profit? Is it going to be Fitz? Is it going to be Illicit? Um, are they going to have that full DPS line? Because you can't just have one superstar DPS right now. It seems that the league has gotten to this point where you look at these top teams like the Shock, New York, Vancouver, like they have a lot more than one superstar and you know shock has like five so <laughs> it's uh it's it's pretty rough if you're not um like for fits and illicit i think one of them is gonna have to step up big time and that's for me the only big question mark for this roster uh, is is those players like can they reach that s tier play um that you know other teams have been dominating on for so long so then the last thing that I want to do here is take a look at the Shock as well. We've only seen them play one match so far this season in Week 1 against the Dallas Fuel. Look, the 2019 champions, as we said, they haven't made a whole lot of changes. They have tons of superstars on their team. They're still going to be a dominant force. But looking way back at the performance against the Fuel, the Fuel did take a map off of them, full holding them on Horizon Lunar Colony. And even Eichenwald and Oasis, you know, they only lost each of those matches by a single point, and it wasn't until Havana that the Fuel really started to get shut out. So when they start going up against some of these higher caliber teams, you know, such as the Titans or Philadelphia or even what Soul could possibly be, do you think the Shock are going to come out as dominant as what we saw them last year? I don't know if it's possible to, to repeat the dominance from last year. I think last year was kind of a symptom of the fact that they were the best team at GOATS, and GOATS was the dominant strategy for, like, you know, the majority of the year. So there wasn't really ever that shakeup that put pressure on them. Like, they just kind of refined their strategy to a really high level, and all their players were really great at executing it. And then they never were forced to change at all. So they just kind of were able to ride that dominance and, and only grow it and only nurture it. Uh, this season, I think it's going to be a lot harder to deliver dominance on a consistency like that. Like, even if all your players are great and your coaching staff is great, one, I mean, eventually one week you're probably going to screw up the strategy and the other team's going to have a better strategy than you and, and they're going to just roll you over or get some maps off you and maybe be able to win a series just because they started off with a better strategy or, or something that countered your idea. So... I would think that they won't be able to repeat last season just off the hero pools. Like, it'll be hard to be that dominant for that long with the heroes changing more often. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if there's a team that could prove me wrong, it would be the Shock. I mean, they've got the roster to make anything work. Uh, I think the only question mark in my mind um, is, well, not my, I'm not worried about the coaching staff because I think Krusty and the rest of the coaching staff are actually really, really great for the Shock. I think they're some of the best in the league and a big part of Shock's success. But at the same time, I just the question is how insanely great are they? Are they going to pick the right strategy every single week 
into the end of the season. I mean, that is, is a real tall order. So um, that's really the question mark for the Shock. I think on an individual level, though, you just can't doubt this team. I mean, they're just some of the best in the world. Well, like I always say, any given payload, anything can happen. Taking a look at the rest of the week here, we have the Los Angeles Valiant going up against Los Angeles Gladiators. And then on Sunday, the Seoul Dynasty versus the Gladiators and the Shock versus the Valiant. Uh, really quick, why don't we go down here and give our predictions, our first official predictions for this season. And of course, we'll visit this uh, probably reoccurring each week, similar to what the desk does, just to see how we're doing. Uh, Jake, why don't you go ahead and start us off here with your predictions? I will take the Shock over the Dynasty. Um, I'll take the Valiant over the Gladiators. Um, I will take... Ooh, this is a tough one. Soul versus Gladiators. That's a real tough one. I'm going to say... I'm going to take Soul over the Gladiators. And I'm going to take Shock over the Valiant. But I think that last one will be close. Closer than people think. All right. I feel like these are some pretty safe calls here, too. I, too, I, I can't go against the Shock as much as I'd like to. Just to put a little bit of, uh, 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 you know, some competitiveness here in our predictions. I, I too, am going to have to go with the Shock over the Dynasty. Uh, the Valiant over the Gladiators as well. I think the rookie squad uh, is looking pretty good. And I don't have as much confidence in the Gladiators as I used to. Uh, I am going to call Dynasty over the Gladiators and, yeah, probably the Shock over the Valiant as well. Um, uh, I hope that they're a lot closer than uh, than what our, our predictions may line up to be, but we'll see what it is, and uh, we'll check back next week to see how well we did. But, guys, that's going to be all the time that we have for today. Once again, don't forget to connect with us on social media. Uh, let us know who you're rooting for this weekend. Uh, thank you, Jake, and remember, guys, to always stay on that payload.